Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Old-time Big Ten football. Yeah. Touchdown, Purdue! Welcome into the Behind the Rails of Purdue Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Vance. Yes, a new host for the podcast this season on the Believe Network. And just like Purdue, they have a new head coach. So we have a new podcast host for this podcast. And I'm so excited to be joining with you guys as we go through the 2023 season of Purdue football. It should be a uh, a season that could feature a couple of different paths. And I know a lot of Purdue fans out there are hoping it's a it's a good path that leads back down to Indianapolis. But we'll have to see, and we'll get into whether or not Purdue can actually make some noise in the Big Ten West as well. As you can see in the podcast title, this is the Storylines Podcast. And uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review if you are listening on Spotify or Apple. But you can also do the same on YouTube if you're watching that. Uh, version of the show. Uh, it is now on video form, so make sure you go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review on there as well. And uh, make sure you hit that bell uh, to get notifications because this podcast is going to be two times a week uh, here in the preseason and as well throughout the course of the 2023 season as well. So there are going to be a lot of things that we can get into here in the preseason. We're going to have an offensive uh, preview pod we're going to preview the defense. Uh, we're going to break down the schedule game by game, and uh, we'll see what Purdue's chances are against some of the better teams in the Big Ten and on their side of the division, as well as those non-conference games to start out. But I think what we want to do here first on this first podcast of a new season with a new host is kind of just introduce this team, introduce myself a little bit, go through some of the top storylines that we should be watching for in the 2023 season, uh, before we get going, I think we're going to have a, a pretty good 2023 season. So, uh, new podcast host for you. Uh, my name is Bryce Vance, and uh, welcome in. Previous podcast host of other podcasts. I am glad you guys could join in. We're going to have try to get some guests on throughout the season um, and try to keep you guys up to date on the Purdue football program as we go through the 2023 season. So, a lot to be excited about, a lot to review, a lot of change for this 2023 season. Uh, so let's get started with it. I think the biggest change, obviously, is Ryan Walters, the new head coach, after Jeff Brom leaves the program to go down to Louisville. And I think that this is going to be, in the long run, a really good hire for Purdue. Uh, and I think what he has done as far as his staff hires as well has been a good start. I'm not going to say it's an A-plus hire with some of the coordinators, but I I think that overall where this program could head under Ryan Walters I think is is a good trajectory um, for 2023 and beyond uh, because I, I think that where this team has been, especially on the defensive side of the ball uh, under Jeff Brom, has not been uh, the greatest. There have been you know a few years under Brom that – 
were, were solid, uh, but they have kind of fallen off these last couple of years. And I think Ryan Walters is going to help pick that unit back up. Uh, but are we going to see any decline in the offense? And that's where I'd like to really get started with these storylines. I think that the the biggest storyline is is how does this offense look with a new coordinator, a new quarterback? Um, what can they do to make sure that this offense doesn't really drop off a cliff? And I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of changes stylistically um, with Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator coming in. He runs an air raid type style, style similar to what Brahm is running. You might see different formations. Um, the scheme might just have uh, some different wrinkles to it than what Brahm has. But you're going to see, uh, I think, Hudson Card maybe try to push the ball more downfield. Uh, I think he has the a better arm than what Aiden O'Connell had the last couple of seasons. He's going to be able to use his arm strength to get the ball downfield. Now, a question of who he's throwing to, I think that's that's a bigger question. We haven't had anybody really break out or anybody who could potentially break out. I think there's a couple of candidates, but overall, you are looking at a largely inexperienced unit at receiver. Uh, but I think what Hudson Card brings to the program, transfer from Texas, is mobility. Um, and, and if you look at what Graham Harrell has had at his at his time as OC, whether it's at North Texas or USC or re- most recently at West Virginia, um, some of the fans of those programs just haven't been happy with how those offenses have kind of shaped um, going through the, their seasons and how they haven't really progressed and been very – I just don't think they've reached their potential uh, just because you hear of air raid and you expect a lot of fireworks and a lot of you know big plays downfield. And I just don't think that you've really seen a whole lot of that with Graham Harrell's offense and reaching its fullest potential. Can a guy like Hudson card bring that and, and reach that potential? I think, I think there's definitely a good chance. I think with what Hudson card brings to the table, uh, you look, he's got, an NFL type arm. Uh, I think that his mobility, um, he ran quite a bit uh, l- last season um, when he was on the field filling in for Quinn Ewers down at Texas. You saw that in the Alabama game, even while he was hurt uh, in that game. So I think there is potential. If you, if you look at what, what grandma Harrell had at West Virginia last year um, with, with Daigie and, and what he had at quarterback, I just think that there wasn't really a whole lot of of what he wanted to do um, combining with how he's been um, building this offense. There hasn't been a good quarterback that has the throwing ability and the mobility that Hudson Card brings to the table. I think that Hudson Card is going to be pretty potent in this offense. He, he has a security blanket in, in the like of likes of Garrett Miller. He has running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield with Dylan Downing, Devin Mockabee, uh, Tyrone Tracy Jr. So I think those sets of weapons right there, and you, and you get an a experienced receiver in TJ Sheffield coming back. Aaron, Andrew Swinsky uh, has some experience as well. But I, I, I think you're just looking for more of a downfield deep threat. And can this offense remain um, big play heavy? Because uh, there was a lot of big plays that led to a lot of scores the last couple of seasons for this team. 
is that still going to be the case? Is this team going to be more balanced? Because you think air raid and it's going to be passing all the time. Uh, and that's not really how it's been for, for Graham Harrell and his offenses. Uh, last year at West Virginia, they threw the ball 51% of the time, whereas Purdue last season threw it 57% of the time. Um, I, I expect the defense to be a, uh, the offense, excuse me, to be a little bit more balanced. I, I think that you're going to want to lean on a guy like Devin Mockaby, who broke out last year uh, as a walk-on freshman, and being in year two, he's under scholarship now. I think that he's even primed to to get that thousand yard mark. I, he was very close to it last year, uh, about 960 some odd yards last season was definitely a re- revelation because they just haven't had a running game to speak of um, a couple in the last couple of seasons. Can they take advantage of having a guy like him coming back as well as Dylan Downing and Tracy Jr. in the backfield as backups, solid backups that you can lean on as well. I think that, you know, you're going to balance out the air raid. You might not throw as much um, and you might, maybe not throw the ball um, downfield. You you still want those big plays, but still, if, if you look at the quarterbacks that Harrell has had, Jackson Dart, uh, Keith Slovis, um, Jared Dagey, Austin Kendall, they, they threw the ball down the field of more than 10 yards about 30 to 35% of the time, uh, depending on the quarterback in, in, in the in a given year. Uh, but with this offense, I think you're going to see a lot of short yardage stuff. I think you're going to see a lot of stuff over the middle to try to give these guys the ball in space and let them do a lot of the work. Because I think you have a lot of guys that are are able to catch the ball and do with it after they uh, do a lot of work with it after they catch it. Uh, but I don't think you necessarily have that big down the field like you've had with, with the Milton Wright. Um, with a Rondale Moore, uh, even though those a lot of those guys, uh, Rondale Moore specifically, you know, it was a guy that you get the ball in space and he did a lot, a lot, a lot of work after the catch. Um, can you find those guys that can break open the defense um, up top and, and find those creases? I just don't know if you're going to be seeing that as much with this offense. It's going to be a lot of more shorter stuff, uh, crossing routes, a lot of hitches. So I, I think that you know, you're going to see those types of changes in this offense because I don't know if you want to put your defense in some bad situations that, you know, you might have done last season. I would, whereas West Virginia's defense was pretty darn bad and the defense that uh, he was going up, uh, you know, playing with, with Graham Harrell last season, it was the defense was on the field a lot. Uh, the one benefit, the one good thing – that you could take away from the West Virginia's offense last year under Graham Harrell was they were pretty good in the red zone. They were top 20 teams scoring in the red zone. Uh, Purdue was one of the top 10 teams in the red zone in scoring. So that's one thing you hope to bring um, over to West Lafayette, that once you get in the red zone, you are going to be able to score the ball uh, more often than not. Uh, Graham Harrell does a good job of, of scheming inside the 20 yard line. So that once you get the ball down there, you should feel pretty comfortable that Purdue is going to score more often than not. How does this balance out with the defense, a defense that is going to look different um, in a lot of different areas, especially up front and in the secondary? Uh, I think that's a question for for Ryan Walters and how how good can this defense be in year one? I, I think it's 
you may take a slight step back just because with what you're replacing, you're bringing in uh, quite a few transfers. Uh, you're leaning on those guys to step in right away and mesh. That can be a difficult thing. As, as, as we've seen with numerous amount of programs, you can bring in as many transfers as you want. You can bring in a guy, a lot of guys that have played you know, group of five football, power five football, but can they come in um, and mesh? And Purdue has done a good job of mixing uh, I, and whether or not to be, it'll be a good job. They've done a job of, of mixing some group of five guys and some power five guys that have some playing experience, but that doesn't always translate to, oh, they're going to have an impact right away. They're going to be the starter right away um, and be the force that you think they are. Uh, there's a reason they left. And that reason could be a good one. That reason could be a, a, a bad one or one that you, you know, they're just trying to get out of their previous place and wanted to find a spot that are more comfortable. And maybe they will be more comfortable once they get here. The one thing that I would take away with this defense is it might not be what you think it will be this season um, under Ryan Walters, you know, who's developed, you know, top defenses in the entire country, the top scoring defense in the country last season. But I think by year two and three, I think this defense could really take some big, big steps forward. Because if you look at the way Ryan Walters developed that Illinois defense in the first year, they were still a pretty bad defense when he came to Champaign. I think they ranked like around 97th in scoring defense and, and they were number one by the time he left last season. Now, I think that this defense is going to benefit especially in the secondary which was his specialty at illinois developing guys and and making them nfl caliber uh, prospects you know with devin willers wizard witherspoon excuse me and sydney brown i think there's a lot of potential that what he will bring into is into this position and defensively is development i think you're going to see him bring in guys that you know are two stars, three stars, maybe low four stars and develop them into being first round picks or like, like Sidney Brown was a fifth round pick in the NFL guys that are going to, you know, hopefully excel and, and probably excel at the next level, uh, especially with a guy like Devin Witherspoon, who was a, a top 10 pick last year in the NFL draft. And a lot of people don't remember that Devin Witherspoon was like a zero star. He didn't have any stars next to him. If you go look on 24 seven, if you go look at his profile, uh, but he developed under Ryan Walters and in that secondary and in that program to being one of the top corners in the country. Same with Sidney Brown. I think he was a low two, he was a two star or a three star, depending on which recruiting service you look at, but he had a, a, um, a track record of developing guys and, and making sure that these guys are at the tip top of their, potential by the time that they're juniors and seniors. So that's why I don't know if this defense is going to be able to come in right away and be one of the best defenses top, you know, even in on the top half of the big 10 this season, I think there's potential down the line because what you're going to face this season, I think is a different um, challenge as far as quarterbacks. I think you might've seen an improvement with quarterbacks this season on that side of the division specifically, you know, with uh, Tanner Mordecai up at Wisconsin, Cade McNamara at Iowa. I think, you know, you're going to see, I think a definite improvement um, at Nebraska as well. So I, I think in, even with Ethan Kaliak Manis at Minnesota, I think there's a lot of people up there that expect him to be good. So the secondary that you're going to be 
putting out there on the field, you're going to be facing, you know, I think a bump up in, in quarterbacks uh, this upcoming season. And I don't know if they're going to be where everybody expects them or wants them to be in year one, but I, I think that there is potential for this Purdue football team to be pretty darn good on that side of the ball. Um, even though they were probably middle of the pack, uh, maybe slightly below average last year, depending on the metrics you look at, uh, there was a lot of a lot of shootouts that this team was in last season, and and the offense had to come back quite a few times. But I think that that defense really shouldn't take a step back from that standpoint. I, I think there is room and the possibility of them, I think, improving just because of of what they have coming back specifically at linebacker. I I, I really like what they have at linebacker. I I think. Ex- with the plenty of returners that they have, I, I'm expecting that position to be a good. Um, but you have a kind of a new defensive line with some some guys that were on the bench last year. You have some guys that are, are coming in um, from the transfer portal, uh, just like they are in the secondary. Some guys that have experience, but then you, you have guys coming in from the transfer portal. So it's just meshing those um, and and making sure that this unit is, is much more solid than it was and not giving up so many big plays. And, I think that there is potential for this Purdue team to be competitive in the Big Ten West. I don't expect them to drop off tremendously from from that eight-win team that they were last year. I think that there's definitely potential for them to reach that eight-win mark again. It's it's going to be, I think, a little bit more difficult. Uh, Can we expect this team to compete and be in at the end for the Big Ten West? I think so. I think so because I think it was in the 2021 season that they were, I think, knocking on the door as well. You had to had a couple of different things kind of play out. Um, you had to win maybe a game or two at the very end um, for you to be in that Big Ten West um, hunt. But I think last year it was also, you know, comes down to the last few weeks of the season and is Purdue – a threat to do that once again. I think so. There's a, a rough stretch at the beginning of the conference slate that could prevent them from doing that. But I think when you look at what they're able to do with a lot of those games early on in the season being at home, I think that that can help them, you know, with the renovations at at Ross Aid. I think that's going to bring some more excitement. You're going to have more fans. Um, and I think it's just going to be an atmosphere. It has been a place where Come, teams come in and get upset, as we've seen with with Ohio State just a, a few years ago. Purdue has been that team that has been able to jump up and get those wins. If you look at the the, the game over Iowa a couple of years ago, so I, I think that there is potential for this team to be competitive in the Big Ten West. Are they going to win it? I I don't. I'm not going to say that they're going to win it. Um, that would be kind of too out far out there yet maybe as we get a couple of weeks into the season maybe as we get closer to the season and we get a full review of the offense and the defense um and we kind of go through the schedule week by week as we will do on the next couple of podcasts here before we preview fresno state in the season opener on september 2nd so i think there is potential for for purdue to come up and get a couple of those teams that maybe are above them in the pecking order of the Big Ten West because it's been a division that's been kind of a rotating 
um, a rotating wheel these last couple of teams of of who you're going to have come out on that side. Um, it could be Wisconsin one year, Minnesota, Iowa. Um, and it just feels like it could be any team. There's no real, I think, if you look at the, if you want to look at the, the quarterback rankings, I think Hudson Hudson Card is probably in that top three on on the, the side of the division. I'm, I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback. He's He doesn't have some of the experience as, as some of these guys do, but I think there's definitely a good chance for him to assert himself as one of the better quarterbacks, not just in the Big Ten West, but in the, in the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, I, you don't have a quarterback situation at Ohio State. You don't know which where, way they're going to go. Uh, you have Drew Alar, who's stepping in at Penn State. You don't know how he's going to pan out. There's a lot of promise with those two programs, uh, as well as you have, unless you have a, a, an established quarterback like you do at Michigan. But I think there is potential for Hudson Card to come in, step in, and be really good um, and have this offense firing on all cylinders. You know, as long as the defense, um, I think, improves over the course of the season, I, I think that this team has the potential to be competitive in the Big Ten West and give themselves the opportunity, the chance at the end of the season to, if they have one one or the last three games go their way, that there's a chance for them to be the Big Ten West representative. I'm not saying that they're going to finish nine and three. I'm not saying they're going to finish eight and four. I'm not saying they're going to finish, you know, four and whatever in the conference, four and five in the conference. But I think there is a potential for this program to be competitive in the Big Ten West. Let's finish off the podcast here this week with a little bit of reaction to what Purdue will be wearing this year. If you didn't see uh, the news on Friday, Purdue showed off its new uniforms um, posting on social media. There was kind of hints that there will be a surprise, um, as Ryan Walter said at Big Ten Media Days, that there's going to be um, some change-ups for the, for the program this year as far as uniforms. And I think a lot of people are happy that Purdue is going back to what they wore during the Drew Brees era. And I, and I get that it brings some good feelings. It brings, you know, happiness, you know, because that was a good era, a really good era for Purdue with Drew Brees and Joe Tiller. So I think you're going, you're kind of dipping into that nostalgia a little bit and people are really excited to see them. And I thought the video that was posted out on, on Twitter, not, not Twitter, excuse me, X, uh, but I think on there, uh, the video, I thought, you know, did a good job of highlighting some of the, the players, including Hudson Card and, and some of the top guys in the program. So I think when, when you go back to a throwback like that and you make it your permanent thing, there, it can go one of two ways. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to say, well, maybe we should have just brought this back for one game. But I think this is a good stopgap and if you you know read out there on on social media some of the, the some of the Purdue sites um some of the uh, you know the boilermaker uniform tracker feels like that this is just going to be a stopgap kind of for uh next year when Ryan Walters has a chance to take the whole season the off season to kind of tinker with the uniform make it kind of his own style of, of or his own vision for what the uniform should be i think when you had with the Brom era, you know, with, with the, the, the train 
kind of emblems on the shoulder pads and and the way that you know they were able to do a lot of different things um and some of the uniforms were better than others some of them didn't you know really look that good on the field they might look good in the social media video but they didn't don't look good on the field um some of the grays that clashed i think with some of the gold so and and you know some of the the combinations just weren't really that great i think if you go back to you know just having the black and and white um or black on black or or white on black i think and, and maybe the occasionally if you throw in the gold that it, that it looks you know better then I, I just think if you get away from gray i don't know if gray is necessarily the answer i i like the you know the old gold and old and black i think that definitely is a good combination for and and a lot of purdue fans and a lot of older purdue fans i think like um but we'll have to see if this sticks around because there's definitely a potential that it does get tweaked for the 2024 season as the whole conference kind of changes. And I think for this season, though, it is 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 going to be a good look uh, for, for Purdue on the field. Thank you so much for tuning into the first episode of Behind the Rails of Purdue Football. I'm your host, Bryce Vance. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Check out the video. If you are just listening on audio, you can go to YouTube slash Behind the Rails. Uh, the podcast, the whole audio version is on there. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Bryce double underscore Vance. Uh, I'll have some clips uh, on the show as well, some little snippets in case you are unable to uh, you know, see the full video or don't have a chance to check it out, or you just want to see what kind of this new vibe of the podcast is going to be for this upcoming season. Like I said, we have offense, defense previews, schedule breakdowns, um, planning on getting on some guests before the season gets underway. And then that week, week one, we'll have the Fresno preview, and then we'll do recaps and previews from there on out, maybe with some guests sprinkled in to get their reaction as well, some of the Purdue beat writers or, uh, or some of the known bloggers and stuff like that. So um, thank you so much for tuning in to Behind the Rails. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.